Unique by nature. Online and on your mobile device. Good morning, everyone. This is Shoy with Dimple Times Radio, and we are here with Rick Patterson in the garden. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another uh, show about, uh, we're going to talk about gardening. We hope to entertain. We hope to share some information. And before I uh, get started here, I want to put out a big thanks to our producer, Max, for the excellent podcast that he has put on the Dimple Times Radio website. He's done an excellent job, and I, I recommend everybody or suggest everybody go there and listen to him. He really did a great job, and give a, give a <laughs> hand there to Max. Well, you, you can visit the podcast at anchor.fm slash, I think it's dimple-times. You can also uh, find a link from our website. Uh, the programs will also be posted as they uh, come out on dimpletimes.com, so you can hear them there, or you can go to Anchor. You can also download the anchor.fm app and listen to it on that. Um, so there's a few different ways to listen, but, uh, we're, we're excited. We're learning, we're moving, uh, and it's exciting to be able to bring the, in the garden with Rick and even the ask the gardener. So if you have questions for Rick, feel free to send those in. You can go to the website and send in a form and ask Rick questions. Uh, but it's exciting to bring it from the print format over to the audio, which, uh, then is on Dimple Times radio and also in the podcast. Well, Max, as a producer, you're doing a great job, I think. Well, thank you. And I've had fun, too. I saw something funny this morning on Facebook. Showed a middle-aged man standing with a big sign over his head. And he says, need money. I'm not homeless. I'm broke because my wife keeps buying plants. And I was thinking to myself, now, now, what, what, what kind of plants there are you? Are you talking like medicinal type plants, or well, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, they're probably petunias and geraniums. There we go. There we go. So, no matter what they are, they can still be expensive and chew up a lot of money. Right. Now, I was going to say I'm an addict, but after that comment, maybe I ought to change the word. <laughs> but every time I go to the grocery store or go to you know, Wally's place up there. I drag home a plant. I brought back a colobine the other day for a dollar. Uh, I like bargains. You can get these plants that are about, you know, half dead or half dried up, and you can try to, like an orphan, like an orphan plant, you can try to rescue them. Well, we we, we probably uh, it, it may not be a bad idea, Rick. For you, maybe you make a confession that you are addicted. Um, <laughs> you know, and it comes out for municipal on- purposes. <laughs> Well, it, they're relaxing. I mean, it, you know, there is some medicinal. Uh, it's relaxing to see, you know, like now some of the flowers that we've planted and, and okay, I haven't planted, that we bought that were planted in pots and stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, they're really blooming. They're looking beautiful. Uh, we put the hummingbird feeders out. Now the hummingbirds are not only going to those, but they're going to the flowers and stuff. And it's, you know, one of them makes a little chirp sound and stuff. It's just I don't know. It's it's it is cool. It's nice to sit on the front porch and watch the plants. While I don't have the huge garden that you do, it's still fun to see the things. Uh, well, and as out there in the boondocks where you live, you're kind of surrounded by peace and serenity, anyway. Yeah, it, it, there is a lot of plants and a lot of uh, bugs, animals, you name it. So, and, and in our yard, I mean, we have rabbits, but hey, go for it, groundhogs. Go ahead, dig a hole underneath that shed there. <laughs> 
You know, you're part of the family, buddy. <laughs> well, this time of year, you can find a lot of bargains in stores because they're trying to get rid of their plants. Um, I think Rural King has things marked down 35% or something. So you can, you can find a lot of uh, bargains. I remember one year, um, they had a golden leaf uh, dutzia bush. And that's, uh, it has little clusters of white flowers on it. And I recently saw that plant for $39 at a nursery, and I got it one year reduced for a buck. And it's a, it's a beautiful plant. So you can, if you're looking around, you can save a lot of money. Uh, I've always loved magnolia trees. And I used to have a saucer magnolia. It's a large tree and has big pink flowers on it. And they also have, uh, there's a purple and a whitish, pinkish color. But my neighbor said that my, the roots of my magnolia trees get into a sewer. And to be the good neighbor that I was, I had it chopped down at a great expense. And I had to remove my magnolia tree, which I wasn't real happy about because it was such a beautiful tree. And also, they didn't like the, the pink petals falling in their yard. Oh, my. Well, the pink petals, I'm sorry. That, that's, that's a, but getting into the sewer, yeah, that's, that's not a good thing. So I've been looking for another magnolia tree that maybe wouldn't get as large, and I saw one. It's called a Susan magnolia, and it's more of a shrub, a bush. It's about 10 foot tall, and I ordered it in March, and um, it didn't come, and it didn't come, and it didn't come. And finally, like the second week of June, it, it showed up in a box on my porch, and it's healthy. It's only about three foot tall, and it's supposed to have these purple reddish blooms on it. And it blooms. The the saucer magnolia usually only blooms like every three or four years because the frost will kill the the flowers. But this um, Susan magnolia blooms later, so it should survive the frost. And it's supposed to be loaded down with these large uh, blooms. So I'm looking forward to it growing and blooming. Welcome back in, in, in the garden with Rick. You know, Max, I live practically in the center of town, and I'm thinking about opening up a wildlife refuge. I'm out on the porch last night at 2.30 in my usually lack of dress, and I could smell a skunk. <laughs> so now in the last month, I have battled a possum, two fat, mean-looking raccoons, a skunk, Last year, there was a snake. Now, what I want to know is what is going through the minds of these skunks? What are they calling you and these raccoons? You know, <laughs> Who's that fat old man on the porch with hardly nothing on? I know that I used to live over there on uh, Ohio Street, and uh, that place was just infested with skunks. You know, in, in town here, there's a lot of old sheds. and old. Actually, there's a lot of barns here in town because, you know, it's an old town. What was it established? Went 1800 sometime. And back then, everybody had a barn, in, even in town, because they had horses. And a lot of these uh, raccoons and groundhogs, and I haven't seen a groundhog, thing, goodness, because they're really destructive. But they, um, they're living under these buildings. And when I lived over on High Street, that place was just infested with skunks. And when I stepped out last night or early this morning, 
I could smell it. I mean, it was that strong, you know, pungent odor that skunks have. And the other day, when I a couple of weeks ago, when I was walking on the nature trail, I saw two little baby skunks. I got their picture, but I didn't get too close because I didn't know if babies could spray or not. They used to say tomato juice would neutralize, but I think that's more of a wise tale. I don't think that. Yeah, really works. I'm, I'm not for sure on that. We've we've had dogs. Uh, we had one dog that thought skunks were, I don't know, something special or what, but uh, he would go out and find a skunk. And like there was a bunch of baby skunks and he brought the baby skunk up and laid it at my feet and it was dead by then, but he did not smell too good. <laughs> he probably got sprayed by the mama or something. And we tried tomato soup and uh, we finally found something at the pet store that got most of it out. But I would say we had to give him so many baths to get that stench out. It was just, but why, why they go up and they don't think that stinks or something, but then another dog, buddy, he went out there. This was several years later where the skunks were, and uh, one of them had died. And uh-huh. he went out there and laid and started wallowing around in it. I'm like, what in the world? That stinks. And I, I recently read that dogs smell up to a million times stronger, or they can smell things a million times stronger than we do. So doesn't it make their eyes water? Because you smell a skunk <laughs> sometimes when you're driving down the road. I mean, your eyes will start to water. Ugh. And when they say that to, to dogs, we stink. Because, <laughs> you know, our bodies, we have all these cells falling off and we have glands everywhere. But then again, that's how they and, know that we're their humans. Anyway, I, I know when I lived on a high street, there was a big old white skunk and he'd walk over to my car and just like dare me to get in my car. Oh, my. At night. And then I think I said last week, I heard this frog. I had this little ornamental pond and I sat on my bench. And last night I was talking to my mother on the phone and, You'd hear that. You'd make the you'd make the sound better than I do. And it's just huge sound. Huge. So I got up and I looked around, and here's this little teeny tiny frog. Oh, you got to see him finally. Yeah, a little uh. teeny tiny frog. And there's a there's a gap between where the fountain is. It's on a rock. And he's like hiding underneath there where the two rocks kind of you know, they don't fit tightly, and he's going back in there and hiding. But I thought, boy, he for a little tiny frog, he sure is making a whole lot of noise. Oh, yeah, but he's got to love that area. Think about the insects and all the food. I mean, you've created a habitat that's a heaven for a frog and skunks and raccoons and snakes and everything else, too. But <laughs> I know several years ago, I, I, I mentioned this before, I had a green and brown square-nosed frog, which I'd never seen since or before. And I read that frogs migrate living right in town i got all those busy streets around me i i in my mind i imagine this little frog hopping across main street and court street and pickway street maybe he got loose from a pet store or not a pet store but somebody got it and decided they didn't want it and let it out or something could be know. yeah maybe a bird dropped it or something who knows yep that does happen that's how they say sometimes uh fish get into ponds that are built new and stuff it's on the you know the eggs are on the bottom of the bird's feet and stuff so that that could be a friend of mine has a pretty large pond in front of his house, and he said that some friends of his brought back some goldfish that they were using for uh, fishing. And they asked him if he wanted them, so he threw them threw in his pond. Now he has hundreds of them. Hundreds. And if it's a big enough pond, they get pretty big, too. Now, I have those three little miserable goldfish. I think you saw them in there swimming around. They're happy now. But they've never mated. 
Well, maybe you have all males or females. I don't know. <laughs> well, there's two. Swim, there's three of them. One has a white nose, and he kind of stays by himself. And the other two swim around by themselves. Two of them kind of hang out together, and the one with the white nose doesn't. That pond's big enough. You could probably easily put about a half a dozen in there. Yeah. Well, I like to have some more fish. I like to have some baby goldfish. Well, they're pretty cheap. Yeah. They used to be 28 cents. I don't know what they are now. <laughs> I'm almost afraid to put, a, I don't want to get a sick fish and put it in there and right. kill the three that I've. Yep. Well, right now, gardens are really growing quickly. And a lot of times they tell you to, you know, fertilize your plants. A lot of people see fertilizers as a medicine. And fertilizer is not a medicine. It's nutrients to put into the soil that the, the plant can, can take up and, and, and grow better. So when we get back, I will talk more about fertilizer. Hi, this is Rick Patterson with In the Garden with Rick. A few years ago, I wrote a series of children's novels, Four Fifteen Raspberry Pickets, a group of a, a boy that moves in with his family, with his uncle and housekeeper, and he finds out they're witches, and he has the ability to speak to trees and plants. There's an evil entity that wants to kill all plant life on Earth, and they use magical herbs and go on great adventures to fight the, the bad guys. They're vampires, they're ghosts, they're witches. It's Four Fifteen Raspberry Picket. Dot com. Welcome back to Rick in the Garden, and we've been talking about fertilizer. A lot of people swear by miracle Grow, and that's a very popular fertilizer. It's what a lot of people use. Um, it's a good product. I'm not slamming it, but I personally don't like it because it can be, it's high in nitrogen, and a lot of times if you aren't careful, if you use a lot of nitrogen in your plants, you can burn your plants up. You can kill them. Been there, done that. Uh, yeah. Then there are certain plants that don't do well with miracle Grow, like Japanese maples. Um, when I have purchased Japanese maples from different, that's a small, very decorative, has very pretty foliage, and they're, they're kind of like small trees. They recommend not using miracle Grow on those trees. So they, they don't like the high nitrogen. Although I'm sure there's somebody out there that would say, oh, I grow them all the time with miracle Grow," but I personally don't like miracle Grow. There are basically two kinds of fertilizer. There's the chemical fertilizer, and then there's the natural fertilizer. Again, this is my opinion. I've, I've gardened for years. I'm not a huge fan of um, organic fertilizers. That would include things like um, worm castings, worm poop. Bat poop, what do they call that? Gano, 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 am I pronouncing it right? Fish poop. And a lot of people like seaweed. They say that seaweed has all these micronutrients and, and it's good for plants. I guess if you were growing something very exotic and you needed certain nutrients, you could maybe use seaweed. But I don't think the average person needs seaweed in their. Uh, uh, well, it probably depends on the level of you know what you want to do. Some people don't want the chemicals. Right. Uh, so they'll stay away from them and do everything they can and, and have a lot more money. If you're already investing in a lot of plants, some people will invest a ton of money in organic right type materials. And, and a lot of times it just takes more because it's not science necessarily as when you buy a particular product that's not organic. At that point, of course, then again, you can buy worm 
poo and stuff at the yeah. uh, store. No, I, I use that. I use worm castings. I use it with my Brugmansia, the angel trumpet flowers. I, I, I do use it. So there's some some plants that you do use organic right. for, and then some that you don't. That makes sense. I mean, some respond to different things. Now, some people like to take, like, raw cow and chicken manure, and they put it in a bag or a burlap, and then they put it in water and make a tea out of it, a, uh, a manure tea. Yum. The problem a lot of times with uh, organic fertilizers, you need a lot of warmth for it to break down and work. Plants don't usually absorb the nutrients as quickly as they do the, the chemical fertilizers. And as you were just saying, you don't really know the, the level of nutrients that you're getting out of these natural fertilizers. You don't really know how much nitrogen or phosphorus or whatever you're getting. And... And another point you brought up is they're very expensive. Uh, these organic fertilizers are super expensive. I, for the most part, don't use organic. I do some, but for the most part, I don't use them. I think it's important to start with just good soil. You know, put your, put your mulched leaves and your, your decomposed organic material and mix it in with the soil. That's the best thing you can do. But at that point, it's organic. And then, and that's yeah, I guess you'd say part of what does make it work better and, and adds the nutrients and things that the plants need. Now, plants basically need three things they need nitrogen, that's the what gives you the green, um, like grass. You know, people pump a lot of nitrogen in their grass to get that green, strong grass. You need phosphorus for a good root system and for bud formation of flowers. And then you need potassium, which is good for the immune system. It's, for, it's good for your overall plant health. When you buy a, a box of fertilizer, it'll have those numbers on it. And that tells you the percentage of nitrogen and phosphorus and all that. It's in, it's in the box of, of, uh, or the organic fertilizer. Let you know how much of those nutrients are in the fertilizer. Plants also need calcium, magnesium, and sulfur. Some plants like um, tomatoes, if they don't get enough calcium, they'll crack. There are many plants that are heavy feeders. They need more fertilizer than others. Annuals like uh, dahlias, hibiscus, the brugmansia, ornamental grasses, roses, those are heavy feeders. They need more fertilizer maybe than other plants. Uh, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, corn, cabbage, tomatoes, they all need their heavy feeders. Basically, any plant that uh, puts out a lot of energy, like, like an annual that'll bloom all summer, they're heavy feeders because they need those nutrients to keep producing those blooms. been talking about fertilizers here on rick in the garden or in the garden with rick however you want to put it we, right we're, we, we're we still can't trying even get to, our own title down we're, straight, we're trying to we? decide ourselves uh, <laughs> here as the producer and you know i say rick in the garden in the garden with rick either way he's in the garden there are some plants that don't need much fertilizer and that's like cactus succulents ferns they don't really need a whole lot of fertilizer they could use some spatial fertilizer but you don't need a lot um, two of my favorite fertilizers are Dynagro. Actually, there's a very elite company in Connecticut called um, Logies that sells a lot of bizarre, strange, and tropical plants, and they've been advertising Dynagro. And it, you use a half a teaspoon per gallon. So you use a teaspoon for two gallons, 
and it's it's super. It's just a super fertilizer. I use it. I've been using it for seven or eight years now. It's expensive, but it's super. You use it every time you water with them. And then another good one is uh, Jack's 202020. That's for things that need a lot of fertilizer. And not that I, I don't want to get real technical, but a lot of chemical fertilizers use a chemical nitrogen. Jack's uses animal urine for their nitrogen. There's a lot of nitrogen in urine. And for some reason, and I've tried to figure this out, plants seem to take up the animal urine better than they take up the chemical. Well, at that uh, point, it's semi-organic, or is the whole product organic? Is Jack's organic? It's not, no. Just the nitrogen part of it. Well, it's partial then. Partial, I guess. I don't think they advertise themselves as organic, but... Well, you know, now that the pandemic's coming, sort of coming to an end, and people are getting out, there's a lot of neat places in Ohio that you can go and visit and, and see gardens. And I'll just go through them here quickly. We don't have a lot of time, but there's the Stan Hewitt Hall and Gardens in Athens, Ohio, or Akron, Ohio. There's a museum and these amazing gardens. There's a fee. You have Dawes Arboretum in Newark, Ohio. They have a wonderful collection of different kinds of trees and conifers, and I think they charge $10 a person. One of my favorite ones is Kingwood Center in Mansfield. They have a mansion, and they have these incredible gardens, a greenhouse, and it, it's just a really nice place to go. And uh, You can have a picnic. You can walk the, the trails. You can see the flowers. And then in downtown Columbus at the old school for the deaf, they have a topiary garden. Uh, it's on Town Street. And this topiary garden, and I had to look these names up because I'm not sure of my French here. It's based on a famous painting by George Seurat and is a Sunday afternoon on the island of La Grande Jet. So those of you who speak French may think I butchered that. But what they've done, they've taken conifers and they have shaped them into the shape of people and animals and umbrellas. That's interesting. And it's, you know, it's, it's a really neat place to visit. It's up there on Town Street. I forget how many acres and there's a pond. But it, it's, it's to uh, mimic, or not mimic, but it's to represent that painting. Hmm. Uh, that's, a neat, that's a neat place to visit. The Park of Roses up in Columbus, they have 12,000 roses that bloom most of the summer. And that's incredible. I mean, it's just an incredible place. I've never seen so many roses in one place. The Dayton has several metro parks, and they have one that it's a, uh, a garden, and they have um, ornamental grasses and a butterfly garden and uh, perennials and annuals. It, it's just a, a nice place. And, of course, it's free because it's a metro garden. And close to us here in Chillicothe is the Adena Mansion. That's down in uh, Chillicothe, and it was a house built for Thomas Worthington, which is one of the first governors of Ohio. I'm not sure which one he was, the sixth governor or something. I think a lot of school-age kids go there for, for school trips. I think when I was a kid, we went a couple of different times, and I've gone as an adult. But in the last few years, they've, they've, they have redone the gardens and, and made the gardens as they would have been back in, the uh, I believe, the 1700s. And it's, it's a nice place. It's a nice place to visit. Another very popular place is it's called the Lily Fest, and it's down there in the Hocking Hills by Rockbridge, Ohio. And every July 9th to 11th, they have uh, these beautiful gardens, and then they have these artists uh, that you can buy some really nice things. Lavender Fest is July 17th and 18th, and that's in Georgetown, Ohio. 
and they have, uh, you can pick your own lavender. They have foods with lavender. They have soaps. They have crafts. And I've never been to that, but I always thought that'd be a fun place to, to, you know, these are all day trips. These are all, you know, if you went Saturday or Sunday and you want to do something with the family, these are all trips. It's easy to get to in a day's time. And then the last one I want to talk about is en- Enniswood Metro Garden. It's up in Westerville. There's streams and woodlands and perennials. I read they have 2,000 plants, and it's free. And several years ago, I was able to visit there, and um, Roger Swain, who's my garden hero, the he was the um, host of the Victory Garden on PBS. He was there, and I got to meet him. That was exciting. So these are all gardens that are easy to get to, nice trip, nice way to spend a weekend. This edition of In the Garden with Rick is part of Dimple Times Radio, an RTD media broadcast. To read more by Rick, be sure to pick up a copy of the Dimple Times newspaper, which is distributed on newsstands in Fairfield, Pickaway, Ross, and Fayette counties on the second and fourth Thursday of each month. You can also read more articles by Rick at dimpletimes.com. Online and on your smartphone. Unique by nature.